Welcome to Parent Driven Development. I'm Kay Wu, and today I'm here with my friend Allison. Hi, I'm Allison, and today we are joined by our guest, Adarsh. Adarsh Pandit is the founder and managing partner of Cylinder Digital, a consulting firm helping organizations grow using human-centered design and software. Trained as a scientist, Adarsh left academia after finishing a doctorate to join McKinsey & Company in New York as a management consultant and strategy fellow. After teaching himself to code in 2011 and working as a developer apprentice, Adarsh left management consulting and worked his way up from junior developer to managing director for ThoughtBot, a well-regarded Rails consultancy. As SF's office lead, Adarsh focused on sales, advertising, and hiring in that order. Since 2015, Adarsh has led distributed consulting teams with clients around the world for his own company, Cylinder Digital. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks, Allison. I should also add, I'm on the board of Ruby Together with Allison, so I get to have Skype calls with her, including one later today. That's true. After children are in bed, we will be attending that that board meeting. Today, I thought that we'd dive a little bit into raising children away from away from parents and away from families. So, Adarsh, do you want to talk a little bit about your family and your experience with that? Yeah, for sure. So I live in the Bay Area in Oakland, and my wife and I moved there in 2012, as I said, to join ThoughtBot and work there. After a couple of years, I left and then I've been running my own company doing more or less the same kind of thing since. So the Bay Area has been really good for me professionally and my wife's a physician, uh, which has been good for her as well. She's been at a hospital chain called Kaiser Permanente, which she's really enjoyed. But her schedule is very erratic, is I guess the best way to put it. She does shift work as a hospitalist, which is She's an internal medicine doctor who will see admitted patients in the hospital. And so she gets she has to negotiate shifts in the hospital, much like any other person who does shift work does. And that means, and with the amount of time that it takes to get familiar with a patient and then hand them off to somebody else, it makes more sense in that profession to do longer stretches of time, such as longer shifts or seven days in a row of shifts with you know extended amounts of time off. There's also overnight shifts that she does, and sometimes she just has to be on call. So her schedule is a lot more erratic, and mine is not. Mine is much more flexible, and over time I've pushed it to be a lot more flexible so that I can pick up any slack in terms of home ops or childcare. Our folks are not in the Bay Area, and we move there for professional reasons. And like most of my parent friends in the Bay Area talk a lot about how hard it is to be both in the Bay Area with a family, which is its own challenging, challenging situation, both financially and otherwise, logistically, and also to be away from family. A lot of the people that I know from growing up, I grew up in the, in southeastern Michigan near Detroit, a little ways from Ann Arbor. And my wife's family is from Long Island. So very suburban upbringings. And our families, our parents are all still around and retired and enjoy spending time with the grandparents. I'm actually calling from Michigan where we're spending two weeks with my family and my brother's family. But it's hard. Uh, some of our friends, even neighbors on our street, are able to call grandma and grandpa to come, you know, on a moment's notice to fill in if somebody's sick or to help out with date night or, you know, it's a regular go to grandma and grandpa's on Friday nights until Saturday morning, that kind of thing. And so without that 
without that additional help, we have to kind of buy our way out of that problem sometimes with additional childcare options, sometimes flexible folks, sometimes a nanny, babysitters, that kind of thing. So it's definitely additional work and certainly like additional costs also. And I don't know if you all have experienced anything like that. Yeah, definitely. I just so want to first say that I love when you called it home ops. I feel like that's awesome because there is like a whole (laughs) I mean there's so much that goes into like just all the house like it really is like it really is home off so I just I chuckled when you when you said that I thought it was it was really great yeah it feels analogous to DevOps to me sometimes I don't know if you all do this but have you tried borrowing parts of uh, or tools or, or things from software development for home like I've tried to to get into, I don't call it a stand-up meeting, but the wife and I have a quick chat in the morning. And sometimes we include my older son in the plan for the day, or like we have Trello boards sometimes to plan stuff. I tried Slack, that didn't work, but. <laughs> we did a nightly stand-up uh, while we were in the process of closing on our house and planning the move with like an agenda that we both contributed to. It was on our calendars and everything after the toddler's bedtime so helpful and every so often now when I find myself like sending like five emails to my husband throughout the day of just like things that I'm thinking about of like just home management things that have to come up after a while I'm just like okay stop I'll just make an agenda and I will request that we have a stand-up tonight yeah we do um I guess what I call like a sort of like a sprint planning. So Sunday nights we'll do, we call it like a, <laughs> like a prep for the week and we go through the week and we talk about like, what are the most important things to get done? What are like, what sort of behind that? Just what our calendar looks like to make sure that we're like on the same page. And we each know what we're point people for sort of like throughout the week. Yeah. And I know Chris Sexton isn't, isn't here today, but I remember he and I talked about this a while ago and he used to do like sprint planning with his family and they actually used to like put a theme to the week. So he used to like name it and have like some like family activity at the end of the sprint that sort of like capped the sprint with something that was like fun that was related to like the the sprint theme, if you will. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun and it's also, it's effective. And although sometimes it can feel like it takes some of the, it can feel a little sterile sometimes, at least in our house. And it makes us feel like we're really overscheduled and probably like if we're doing this much in the way of official tool usage and meetings, should we just dial back on all the things that we have to do? Oftentimes we can't, but. It is interesting because I think sometimes you can get really, especially when you don't have family nearby or that much like you can get very into the business of raising a family is sort of what I call it because there's so much that like has to get done and has to and has to happen that like sometimes it can feel very transactional and like colleagues as opposed to partners and I know that that's something that my husband and I have made sure that like when we feel ourselves moving in that direction to make sure that we like to be like, do we have a date night scheduled? If not, we really need one. Yeah. But this is, I will say like, I am lucky. So it's interesting. My sister lives super, my sister and brother-in-law live super close to us. They actually, they, they lived like 20 minutes away from us. And then about a year ago, they moved to live about eight minutes away from us. And since my oldest was born, they've always been really, really awesome about letting us schedule date nights, about watching Devin and then both kids when we like wanted to like go away overnight. 
and it's sometimes it's a little they're more social than we are they're you know so sometimes it's a little hard to like get onto their we have to book them sort of like months in advance but it is really nice and I I know that I always feel the difference when there's like a snow day or a sick day or something where like I can't call them to fill in because they're because they're both also working adults and I have to figure out like who my like deep bench of babysitters are right and making sure that I like text the high schoolers yeah it's like I gotta text like the high schoolers as soon as I know because they also get a snow day and they're probably going to be like the first ones hit up for you know for for covering around the neighborhood and then after that it's like okay who are the like there's there's like a list and sometimes it's like cobbled together and sometimes yeah it's just that deep bench of babysitters is or when my sister and her husband like haven't been available we've really had to sort of scramble a little bit because we don't have a ton of people because nobody really watches our kids for like date nights and stuff we don't really have a ton of people on that list and so it can be really challenging when we actually need someone well Allison, that's a i think you raised something that i think is a nuance here that's also i think worth digging into a little more which is family means a lot of different things and oftentimes i think i, I think of my parents and my in-laws as the, the family who could most easily provide childcare because they're all retired and available but in another way they're also 70 or over and aging and having individual health concerns of varying severity and so their ability to provide childcare for two kids under five or under six is more limited than I would imagine and definitely like what my wife and I would imagine. But families also can also be siblings, right? Or cousins or other people who are of parenting age potentially or even younger. Mm-hmm. And that's a different, there's a different trade-off there. Like you say, they're busier, but perhaps like they would be, they're more like physically able or emotionally or mentally able to uh, pick up and take care, take care of your kids. Yeah. Like I, I'm visiting my parents right now and my wife and I had a day yesterday where we drove to downtown Detroit to see all the cool street art and meet an old friend and like try, uh, you know, some new restaurants. And we were gone for about four or five hours and we came back. My my mother-in-law also came from New York to visit. So three grandparents is what it took to get my uh, two-year-old into the crib and, and into a nap. And they both, they were all struggling the whole time. So that's the thing that I struggle with also realizing the limitations of your parents as well and, and how their, you know, their health affects all of their ability to take care of kids. Yeah. Yeah. I'm much more comfortable leaving, leaving my kids with my like sister and brother-in-law. Like if my husband and I are going to be gone for daytime or like if we're going on a trip and we're going to be gone like overnight, I'm much more comfortable with the, kids being with them as opposed to like it's my husband and I have discussed like it is it's a lot for like any of our parents even if they're all together or whatever to watch to watch both kids for daytime they're they're totally fine doing it for night right doing like dinner bedtime whatever they can they can manage that but if we're like leaving on a Friday and coming back like a Sunday evening I don't think that we would leave both children with either like 
parents because I just I feel like it would be really exhausting for them. I, I have a bit of a reverse from you, Allison, where like for the most part, the extended family we have around to help like for different parts of the day, at least that's totally fine. But we haven't had some like either my husband or myself, like at least one of us has always been around for like all the bedtimes up until now. And we've been fortunate to arrange it that way. But I, I feel like I have a I don't know if you, you all have the same, but I kind of have a like a mental matrix of like, okay, this person is like particularly well suited for these capabilities. <laughs> or like, if, yeah, we, like if we have to go out in the afternoon, and like we can time it for like, post nap versus pre nap, or, you know, and like, is there a meal or snack time involved in the time frame we're discussing? <laughs> and yeah. matching against like, individuals as uh, skills and interests. And it is it is what I imagine a bit like managing a, a, a team at work or something. Yeah. <laughs> a I, I think of it as a basketball team. Yeah. It's like de- deploying it and like, like figure out who is available. Team. Yeah. And, and who has the energy. Like and, and, yeah. Like I think of it as a basketball team. Like who's the best shooter or who's like great on defense or who's going to be able to <laughs> nail, you know, bedtime or, you know, who can drive, you know, that's a big one. It's like, who's able to drive and yeah. But yeah, I think I think being a having some distance from from family in ways is you know is healthy at least for us, and in other ways is challenging and and makes life a little bit more difficult for us. But I think what we do is we cope with it with a lot more coordination. One other thing that we've been doing, which was sort of something we stumbled into, is we've made a lot of friends on our street, which happens to have a lot of other families with kids around our age, which is nice. And they oftentimes will do this thing where they'll send one parent over to another parent's house. And then because all of the adults know the kids and the kids know the adults, then the kids are very comfortable with them, like, quote, babysitting and putting them through bedtime or just even after bedtime, after they're down. And usually that the like visiting parent will like sit and watch TV or do catch up on work or whatnot while the other, like the main two parents will go out and, and get, a, you know, dinner or a drink or just like go see a movie or something. And that's also been really helpful, both in building community, but also it's free. You know, I mean, this is one where because we have kind of a mutual cooperative unwritten arrangement among a couple of families on our street, it's worked out really well for that purpose. But again, everybody's working and it doesn't always, you have to be conscious of people's professional obligations and, and so forth. Yeah, I've heard, so my neighbor who has children who are who are grown now, she, because we have a lot of uh, families with little kids on our block, and she mentioned that when her kids were, were young, she had, like, within the neighborhood, they had sort of this, you know, babysitting co-op, essentially, where, yeah, like, you know, someone would walk to a neighbor's house and, um, and whatnot. We know a bunch of the families in our neighborhood really well. We haven't quite taken the step to do that. We all have each other's numbers and what, like, if anything, if I needed an extra pair of hands or, like, help with anything, definitely, like, they're their go-to people to call. We're starting to get into, with my older son, we're starting to get into, especially around the neighborhood, being able to do sort of, like, drop-off play dates. And so... Oh, those um, are like, huge. Yeah, and so, like, on snow days or, like, if somebody, like, needs a break for a little while or whatever, like, you know, we've sort of coordinated with each other to be like, hey, if because also it's sometimes I feel bad 
doing it. But other times I recognize like if I'm working from home and somebody else is working from home, because now uh, nowadays, oftentimes when there is a snow day or something like everybody's just working from home, it's not like you get the day off as much like you used to. So if I'm working from home and somebody else working from home and we both have our kids like chances are that if our kids are playing together, it's much less work for both of us. And we'll both be able to like get more done or to be like, okay, I have these like handful of meetings in the morning. You have these hand, like, can you take them for like until lunch? And then, you know, can you take them sort of like afternoon? So I, I found that through this past winter, we like started to do that a little bit. We're starting to, to build those, those inroads and relationships, but it can be sort of challenging to get there with people, oh, totally. you know? Yeah. Like, it's like this interesting coordination problem where when you have a long-term partner or you get married and you have couples friends, you kind of begin to start experiencing this like, okay, well, if we're going to hang out with that couple, we all have to get along or I have to get along with the other, one of the other partners. And, you know, everybody has to kind of, you're coordinating two people versus, you know, against another two people, which usually is fine, but sometimes it can be, you know, one person doesn't get along with one person. But with kids, I feel like you have like that's like taking up another order of magnitude where the children have to get along and they have to be age appropriate so that they can play with each other. And then you kind of need to mesh with the parents as people. And then you also have to mesh with them as parents. Like, yeah, it can be hard to have social interactions or play dates with parents that are either super permissive or super strict. Or, uh, you know, just have just like difference, different cultural or philosophical differences. So like coordinating across that can be really hard. But yeah, it, it is like one of these challenging new things of like, how do you develop family to family social relationships? Yeah, I find also and this is like a personal constraint, I guess, we're also starting to get to the age at preschool where like if I'm running late or like we're held up that I can like you know, text one of the one of the parents that are in my son's class and ask them to, you know, to grab him and, you know, sometimes drop him off at home or like, you know, bring to a birthday party or whatever. And, and they can do the same with me. And I found personally that both with like, picking up or dropping off or even like, doing this co-op babysitting thing, I found that I'm also like, a little less likely to offer right now because I feel this weight of responsibility of like taking care of someone else's child, right? Like how you sort of have to get closer to them also to right for, for the other parent, for it to be okay for you to be like, Hey, we're not like, don't, we're not hitting. That's not what we do. Right. Or to, to be able to like, if they aren't listening like be able to do something about it or be able to say like yeah. no you can't have goldfish for dinner or like whatever that is right like sometimes I feel weird if if we I don't know sometimes for me it feels weird to a like take responsibility for someone's child especially when driving I'm like really a little like personally anxious about about driving other people's children yeah me too but then even sort of like with just like watching them for a while right like how if that parent feels like it's okay for you to say something if they're not listening or if, right, like if there's some sort of like, I guess, disciplinary thing that needs to happen, right? So I feel like that's 
I still, it's still like, those are the two big things that still feel really weird for me. And I'm curious, like, when that might stop feeling weird or if it will ever stop feeling weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it does. I think that I, we definitely feel the same things. And we have, we're, there are definitely people for whom we are not super comfortable with driving our kids. And there's also kind of a negotiation where you get to a point where you understand the other person's, the other end of that is, are there other parents who are going to be disciplining my kids? And am I super comfortable with that? Right. So it sort of goes both ways. And I think where I landed on this, or where my wife, at least I landed on this, I don't want to speak for my wife, but I got advice early on into, like before our older son was born. I have a six-year-old and a, almost six-year-old and a two-year-old. So before the first kid, I, I called all my friends and asked a lot of people, because I'm a researcher by nature from being in, in, science, in science and grad school. And I said, what do I need to know? What books do I need to read? Like, what advice do you have? And most people gave me terrible answers, especially my dumb friends from college. But there was a couple of pieces of information that were really helpful. One of them was somebody said to me, there's a thing you need to remember and you need to say it out loud. And you, you and your partner need to start saying this to each other. It's a really important phrase. And here it is. It's probably fine. <laughs> and you can say like, oh, there's a rash. You know, what is what is that? And you just have to start saying it out loud. It's probably fine. And for us, it was sort of this like, because we skew, my wife and I skew anxious a little bit. And so for us, we are already like primed to, to worry about, you know, eating too many foods that are orange in nature or like, are they getting enough sleep or all this other stuff? So it was at least helpful for me to keep saying out loud, maybe to myself. And my wife started saying it to me too. Or you'd be like, well, I wonder how they're doing at that person's house. And we would just say like, it's probably fine. Because for the most part, it probably is fine. And I've been joking over the years that that's the title of my forthcoming parenting pamphlet. It's probably fine. But yeah, I mean, I think that's one. And then the other one, and so that's, I guess, how I would, I've kind of dealt with that end of things. But yeah. Never mind. I lost my train of thought. Please go. <laughs> We're the worst today. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I was up too late last night. I, was, I made poor choices. Well, yeah, I mean, just just to build on that, I mean, like, that's another one. Like, I, I have stopped having being able to be up late at night. Like, <laughs> I have started to really have to nail my own personal healthy habits. Otherwise, I realize I'm just super short tempered with my kids. Mm-hmm. And I've had to do a lot in terms of like, you know, because I live in the Bay Area, of course, I'm into yoga and meditation. Uh, and But I do find it helpful in terms of like managing stress and and health stuff. And eating properly and sleeping in water and, and getting outside and seeing the sun and going to bed at a normal hour are things that not only just make me feel better, but I realize like are help me in the long term to be a more patient parent. I don't know if I'm a better parent, but I'm a lot more patient than I would be otherwise. Yeah, well, and I think that you have to build that stuff like when you don't have as much of a support system nearby, right? Like you have to build that in for yourself. You have to figure out how to like how to essentially like shove it into your days so it's not just like getting completely lost. Yeah. And so transitioning to the other sort of main topic that we were going to discuss. So my business is, I'll describe it a little bit and then kind of how it fits into life as a family person, a parent. So what I do is I do, I'm a consultant and I'm a Ruby developer. I do very little coding these days. More of what I do, what I did before and what I do now is the sales and business development part of consulting work. So 
being in touch with lots of people, which is something that I enjoy doing anyhow. I'm sort of a friendly person to start with, and I like chatting with people over lunch or coffee. Finding work that comes out of that, doing some of the marketing stuff, and then scoping projects, signing contracts, and handling invoices, and kind of all the back office stuff that most freelance developers don't want to do. And then I, I staff the teams out of other out of a pool of freelancers and friends and colleagues that I've worked with over a long period of time. So my work has evolved, or at least I, either intentionally or otherwise, to be not super time intensive. And uh, I can do it in bursts uh, throughout the day because most of it is emails and phone calls and, call- and meetings. So I can schedule or move those things around kind of at will. I don't necessarily need six to eight hours uninterrupted to you know, crank out a bunch of PRs. And that's been really helpful for sick days and pickups for kids and things of that nature. And so over the last couple of years, especially when we had when we got to the second child and coordinating got a lot more complicated, being a consultant has been extremely helpful for me or us as a family where I can dial up or down as necessary at work to if I if I'm more needed at home. For example, last year there was a period of I think six or eight weeks where we were in between child care child care options for my younger one, who is almost two. And so the easiest thing to do was for me to be at home and to be a stay-at-home dad. And so that's what I did. And the amount of time that I had expected to do that was probably going to be on the order of eight or nine months because we were working on trying to get into preschools and daycares. And it turned out to be a lot shorter, but it was a lot of fun. I'm not sure I could have done it for longer than that, but it was enjoyable in another way. And also I felt really useful more than anything else. Interesting. What was the, I'm, it's interesting that you talked about like feeling really useful, like, cause you just like managed all the sort of like kid at home front stuff or what's like, I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, about it, that. it felt like, I guess it felt like there was something that was causing a bunch of stress in our home and I was able to personally do something to be helpful and fix it. So that was nice. Also, uh, it was nice to hang out with my son who's at an age where he's becoming more verbal and has opinions and personalities. And, you know, we could play outside and go to different classes and, and take naps together and that kind of stuff. <laughs> but knowing that like, and I've heard this from a lot of parents of, of older kids, so 10 plus years old, that it, at some point they don't really want to hang out with you that much. And as a parent of small kids who want nothing but my attention, I have to keep reminding myself that this is going to go away and they're not yeah. going to want to hang out with me after a while. And so I would kind of remind myself like, okay, this is going to go away and I'm going to try to be really present and spend this time all day, every day with this toddler. And I'm not going to say it was easy, certainly. You know, it can, it can be obviously very frustrating, but that's kind of the mindset I was going into with that. And so it felt like a good thing to do for now because I feel like I'm going to be working for the rest of my life. I don't see that slowing down. And so to, to dial back a little bit now is feels okay for me. And my wife's at a point in her career where things are really picking up for her. And so for her to dial back on her career doesn't make as much sense where she would lose momentum and start to, you know, potentially miss opportunities. So I also feel useful and good insofar as that I'm able to make sure that she has the space to do what she needs professionally. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is something that, so my husband and I both work full time, and I happen to be doing a fair amount of travel this summer. And I would say, fortunately, right, and this comes into like, paying for the, you know, family help or paying for the extra help or whatever. But we, we have a nanny and definitely like the weeks that I, the weeks that I travel, we have her come for a little bit more time just to sort of like give my, my husband a little bit more breathing room about when he can leave for the office, when he, when he comes back. But it's definitely something that we, both of our careers at the moment are, feel very successful which is great we're like we both love our you know love our jobs and really enjoy the the challenges that we're facing and the things that we're doing we also have figured out for us like where where those lines are drawn for us in terms of like family time and what we like what we definitely want to want to be around for but it's it's interesting and actually this this fall my so now basically like my sister lives super close to me my brother is also in the area he's a little further but like also also in the area and so my mom is moving down from our you know childhood home in jersey into the to the area and it'll be interesting because part of us is like oh it'll be really nice to have that extra pair of hands but also like she she probably won't be comfortable driving the kids. And, you know, we said earlier, sort of driving is, like, actually one of the bigger, like, helpful things. We're sort of interested in seeing how how helpful that is or or maybe not helpful. We actually have, you know, we don't, we don't know. We know that she has the mindset of wanting to, like, come into town and be, you know, move to town, be helpful, be like a place where especially our older child can, you know, go and do a sleepover or, you know, potentially being able to like drop them off for a couple of hours on a Sunday to get some errands done or just to like get some, you know, some some breathing room on stuff. But yeah, I think that just two, there are so many trade-offs when you have two uh, working parents that it's interesting to just see like how how things are divvied up what ends up honestly like what ends up just like totally like dropping off the radar yeah we'll we will sometimes like mindfully let things drop knowing that like I will take I have a little bit more of a flexible ability to like take PTO so we'll mm-hmm. be like okay we're like letting these things drop like we're letting drop like all the, all the things that need to go into the attic that the kids have grown out of, or like, I don't know, a bunch of, a bunch of little things, um, recognizing that it's like, okay, but I will take the day off in a couple of weeks and just like, make sure to loop back around to all these things and get them done. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's, it is interesting. I think both of those, both of those thoughts, have this have like a common theme underneath them, which is sort of modulating your expectations, which is something that I think I'm learning about much too late in life, but is a super helpful tactic for me, which is, you know, like I said, I'm here visiting my folks for two weeks. And I think I allowed my expectations to get pretty high and say, okay, well, the wife and I don't really get out on dates too much because it's hard to coordinate across our schedules, both with work and any sitters and so on. So, you know, we're going to try and go out as much as we can while we're here. And it'll be great because 
not only will my parents be here, but my wife's mom will come from New York and also be here. But of course, like that didn't, that's not really exactly what is turning out to be the case. And so modulating expectations is super helpful there. And I think it's also important to modulate your expectations about how much you can get done. And my to-do list and the stuff that gets rolled over from day to day sometimes can make me feel pretty bad. And it's that kind of stuff. It's like sweep the garage or, or you know, sell the sell the old baby stuff or, or get rid of some of this or that. or And, you know, sometimes that stuff just has to fall by the wayside and it's okay. Yeah, definitely. Should we move into genius fail moments? Yeah, sure. I don't have a real... I don't really always, I don't always feel like I'm the greatest dad. I'm sure I'm not giving myself enough credit to some extent, but I don't know if I have a genius moment. And my fail moment, I wasn't actually there for. So I was out, (laughs) I went out to run an errand and I came home and everybody kind of had this look on their face. And I said, oh, what's going on? And my wife was like, "Uh, you'll never believe what happened. So my son, the younger one, the younger one woke up from a nap or I think he might have woke up in the morning. One of the two. He woke up in the crib and had uh, had pooped himself in his diaper. And this isn't something that he normally does. So apparently my father-in-law, or my father, walked in and saw something going on. And he was like, oh, he's got something on his hands. I think he must have been playing with a pen and it broke. So he comes out and announces <laughs> to the whole house, oh, Amon seems to have gotten a pen into his crib and broke it and now the ink is all over his hands oh god and my wife my <laughs> wife astutely was like that's not ink and then ran upstairs <laughs> and then it was you know he just uh got his hands in, into the into his diaper and, and was like what's this which is unfortunate because he, he had never really done this before and i think he's not interested in doing much more of it but it was a gigantic mess that involved a great deal of cleaning. And I think to some extent, like, when you have these kinds of, like, poop explosions, like, the smell just never goes away. Either, like, actually, it, just, like, it either actually doesn't go away or it seems inevitable. <laughs> yeah. Like, you keep, we keep going back to the room and you just, like, keep sniffing and you're like, something's, <laughs> did we get it all? Ugh. So that's, I mean... All, all kudos to my wife for, for managing that. She's amazing. So I wasn't actually around for that one, but that was the most recent oh, bill. Oh, man. That's awful. That's always... My husband has very funny reactions to poop. In... Like, I'm sort of like, well, that sucks. Parenting is sort of all about poop anyway. So let's, you know, like, guess I'll clean this up. My husband gets much more... He's like a little bit of a germaphobe and so he gets much more dramatic about it and he'll be like oh come <laughs> on what are you doing <laughs> like, like, like you know pick up we haven't, had, we haven't had quite the like you know all over the place it's mostly just been you know like we're trying to change my daughter's diaper and she's like moving and rolling over and puts her foot in her diaper you know something like that but he'll you know he'll be like oh come on like you know and then he's like get the Clorox (laughs) (laughs) you know and then he like spends like 20 minutes like spraying everything and wiping everything and I'm like honey I'm pretty sure it's gone like I'm pretty sure it's all clean (laughs) yeah it's funny I have a friend who is a big germaphobe, and he was expecting his first son, and so we were giving 
for his first child and we were giving him a lot of trouble like oh who's gonna change your diapers and he, he was legitimately scared about it and i said uh, well i wonder what's gonna happen and it turned out that when it was his kid he didn't mind at all and he kind of like uh totally was was okay with it so i mean i guess it kind of you know all people are different yeah and yeah. i guess you know maybe that leads me to the thing that i wanted to close with which is the one piece of advice when i was doing my like tour of other two other world appearance and asking advice for people that was most helpful for me, which was I talked to a friend of mine at a wedding who has three kids. And this was before we had our first one. And I asked her, and she's a very smart and sweet person. I said, you know, what what do we need to know? Like what should we do or what what advice do you have or how do we how do we even do this? We're really freaked out about all this stuff. And she said, well, you know, kids are all different because they're people. And the like truth of that was so was so like impressive to me that I, I felt stupid that it was so obvious but also so true that because they are people like new parents don't think of their children in, as people you think of them as like these kind of blobs that are you know clay that you're totally responsible for and they whatever you do will have this long lasting impact on them and there's it's all irreversible. But it it is helpful for me to to keep reframing and thinking, especially in the early years, that your kids are people and they have different personalities and different preferences. And it's important to talk to them and reason with them as people, sometimes terrible people who are really not that nice. But uh, that's, I think, you know, between it's probably fine and, and kids are different because they're people. That's gotten me through a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, same thing, like as they as they get older, right? Like sometimes you forget with like toddlers or with as they're learning independent or whatever that, you know, it seems like, oh, they're having meltdowns or they're so emotional about things or, you know, whatever. And it's, I find it important to remind myself, like kids get told to do a lot of things every single day, right? And Oh like, yeah, that's a good point. And I think about my, you know, and sometimes like my son, especially my son, but also starting to starting my daughter now that she's like getting to that. Well, she's really in that toddler stage. You know, they want to do stuff by themselves and they want to figure it out and they don't want to, you know, like they don't want to be told exactly what's next or exactly what to do. And so, you know, I need to remind myself like, well, I don't want to be told what to do by everyone around yeah. me every single day. Like why on earth would they want that? Like, I imagine yeah. that at any age, it's a little frustrating to feel like you don't have that much agency over things that you want to do or things that you feel like are, are really important. Yeah, totally. Like everything, I guess it comes back to empathy, for sure. We do the same thing with my son. He's in school from kindergarten from 8.30 until 3 during the school year, and then is in aftercare until somewhere between 4.30 or 5.30, depending on the day. And he is completely exhausted at the end of the day. It's, you know, physically he's running around and outside and doing all kinds of stuff, but also emotionally and mentally, he's doing four or five different things during the day. It's reading, story time, it's lunch, it's like learning a language, it's all kinds of stuff. And that is exhausting for him. So we give him a wide berth at the end of the day to have whatever outburst and feelings he has. And on the weekends, we leave him alone a lot. We, we kind of create some space in our house and and some time to just let him do his thing on his own where he's not negotiating with adults or other kids and he can kind of just decompress and figure himself out. But yeah, everything ultimately, frustratingly, of course, uh, comes back to empathy. Yeah. I have a genius this week and actually really 
proud of this genus. You may have seen it. I tweeted about it. So Devin is at, currently, he's at, like, what I think is a really fun age. He's old enough that he's sort of like a butt. Like, he can have conversations. I can take him places. He can understand, like, my expectations of him in a place. He, you know, can sort of eat whatever is around. Like, I don't need special equipment. He can, like, be out later than his bedtime and have it not be a big deal. So we've been doing that. We've been doing a fair amount of stuff together recently. And the other night were the DC Femtech Awards, which in the DC area are these awards for women who code, design, and data scientists recognizing women who are who are particularly accomplished in the in the DC metro area. This was the I think this was the fifth one, and I've actually taken Devin almost every year. His first year, actually, I got an award. And I think he was four weeks old when we when we went. And so it's sort of funny, because also there's pictures of him from from every year at this at this award ceremony. And so this year, GitHub sponsored it. So as a as a sponsor, I was able to go on stage and do like a little, you know, congratulations. And this is this is GitHub spiel. And Devin wore his GitHub shirt. I asked if he wanted to come up on stage with me. He came up on stage with me. It was it was great. And then we were sitting there listening to all the, you know, and them announce the names for all the women getting to the awards. And he turns to me and he goes, he goes, Mommy, I want to be just like you when I grow up. How, how do I be just like you when I grow up? And it was so... I get so much pressure from family to to be a stay-at-home mom. And like I said, I'm traveling a fair bit this summer and I'm trying to take one kid or, you know, the family, et cetera, like with me when when I can, but for it doesn't make sense for like a lot of trips this summer. And so it just was like I wanted to like laugh and cry and like I felt so many emotions when he just like so sincerely and genuinely looked at me and said that that it was truly like a validation of like the reason that I bring him to events the reason that I think that it's important that like if he wants to he comes on stage like all of these things that I feel like I you know talk about publicly and do and like try to be successful in like parenting and career and whatever it was just like it I feel like I'm just gonna like hold on to that moment for like maybe forever like that one time he was four and he looked at me and said mommy I want to be just like you when I grow up so that is like maybe the the most bestest genius moment I will ever have for my entire life yeah, maybe the maybe the most maybe the greatest genius moment that anyone will ever have. Now I'm kind of resentful of my kids. Like, why don't you say some stuff like that? Can't you be more like Devin? Yeah, honestly, it almost well, sounds is- sounds like you know it's like the 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 shining moment in like the movie script. You can you couldn't have like had a better plant there. I yeah. I believe you. It's totally no, real. It's yeah. true. I was like, is someone recording this? If not, somebody should be recording this because it's like. Yeah, you're like, say it again, Devin. Say it. Yeah. <laughs> now with more feeling. No, I mean yeah. it, it is it like I didn't really touch on that too much, but as the as the parent that does. I'm going to say, you know, 70, 80% of childcare and home ops by choice. And I really enjoy it. I do end up interacting with a lot of moms 
and other parent caretakers. And I will say that I didn't really expect this, but obviously there are different ways in which men and women are treated as parents. But when my mom, when my wife rather will go and, you know, take the kids to the park or something, it will just be the usual, how do they, you know, um, what's going on? Where do they go to school? You know, are they into this or that kind of normal parent, small talk. But I get a lot of like hero talk, like, oh, you're so amazing for taking care of the kids. Or like, oh, so great for you to be doing this and give mom a break. And I'm like, you don't know my situation. And I'm also the dad. Like, this is my job. I don't know. It's just it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic for for a primary male or more primary, I guess, male uh, parent. And I, I also I also find myself kind of irritated by that. There's also a weird angle on this where oftentimes, especially when I was at home, I would be interacting with more regularly at, at parks and like Jimboree classes and stuff, the same kind of sets of parents. And most of them are moms uh, or nannies, but but mostly women. And they would I would realize later that they would be socializing without me, like they'd go to lunch without me and do all kinds of other stuff. And, and at some point I was like, is it because I'm a man? Is that what's <laughs> Uh, so it's been interesting and, and certainly like enlightening from a gender perspective. But I see all of this and, and how people treat my wife as a, as a parent and certainly as a, as a professional parent. And it's, you know, it's alarming, upsetting, and, and I wish it were different. Uh, okay, would you, do you have a, a genius or fail for the... Oh, I have a definite fail. <laughs> oh, oh, so it was just this past weekend, I took my son out to the local playground in the morning. My husband was, was out running errands and whatnot. And my mom was supposed to come over and help. But, you know, it's, again, it's like the family nearby, like is helpful on balance. But also sometimes I just have to remember, like, not to set my expectations too high <laughs> in terms of like, punctualness or whatever, you know, kind of like, what the deal is I, I'm trying we, we so we started off like being away from family and then we we moved to New Jersey to be close to them I'm trying to remind myself to appreciate the moments when I watch them bonding and building that relationship and so like despite all the emotional turmoil my my mother's visits will sometimes cause <laughs> it's like it's, it's good it's good overall I don't know if it's I don't know if we're necessarily coming out ahead in terms of energy expenditure but it's it's good like it's and it's it's good for both of them anyway so we were at the playground and I was just like it was kind of hot I was waiting for her to get there and he started like pulling like kind of wrinkling up his forehead and pulling on his pants and just diaper area and just like looking kind of uncomfortable a little bit but I was just sort of like oh you like just we just had a diaper change like before we left the house like it's probably fine and so I guess this is on the case where like I was totally wrong about that because after she got back and I ran to the house to get some more water and then came back to the playground again, he had just like totally peed through entirely. And so we had to do a diaper change at the playground. Fortunately, we had had a leftover backup outfit in the diaper bag and it, it was actually fully stocked when I needed it for once. So that was really helpful. But yeah, I guess like I, I feel bad because he had a pretty bad rash the next couple of days. Uh, that we, oh, it's no. slowly getting better, but I was a little bit like, "Oh, he was he was trying to he was trying to communicate to me, and I just ignored the signals." <laughs> I'll do better next time. Oh man! Oh, eventually I'll also start talking and tell you. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a really helpful part of <laughs> of development. 
He actually is a, is a, is a really big talker generally, but he also really, his sense of humor really enjoys like misleading statements or opposite statements, you know, like, are you done with dinner or not? And he's like, all done, not done, all done, not done. So (laughs) my son is at this, at this phase also, where he's repeating everything I say. Yeah. I'll be like, all done, all done, buddy. And he's like, all done, buddy. And I'm like, so are you done? (laughs) He's like, done. He's like, you're not done. He's like, not done. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you're just like, oh, I'm glad you're learning, but it's really annoying. Yeah. Is that we had like a we had like a three week period where he was into like announcing when he had a poop in his diaper. So that was like beautiful. And then that golden period ended quite quickly. And now he thinks it's funny to, you know, basically just, there, there's just like not much correlation between the, the physical reality and the verbal statements we're receiving. The <laughs> oh, I have a genius to... moment. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I actually do yeah. have one. Sorry, I'm double dipping. <laughs> I, was, I was giving both of the kids a bath. And because I have my folks and my mother-in-law here and then my brother and his two kids and his wife. So it's like there's seven people there plus the four of us in the house. And it was like just madness. So I said, look, I'll give both of the kids baths. So I'm giving my older son a bath and my younger son has no clothes on and he's running around. And so I just stuck him on the toilet just to like keep him in place and gave him a book. <laughs> and with no help, with no like idea of success. But I just kept like sticking him back on there. And eventually um, he actually went in the toilet, which is pretty exciting. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen regularly, but it is like a moral victory of sorts. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I feel like one of the lessons is like in general here is 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 definitely take your take your moments of victory and 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 appreciation and like milk them for a long time. Yeah. To to yeah. keep you warm on the the tough nights. <laughs> so true. <laughs> All right, Darsh, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find you. Um, in the in the universe or on the interwebs, where can they do so? Probably the easiest way is Twitter. I'm uh, at Adarsh P. It's A D A R S H P. Or you can send me an email to, at my company email address. It's hello at cylinder dot work. And I just want to say thanks. It's been awesome. It's been a great conversation, and I really love talking to you all. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. All right, so thank you everyone for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have questions that you'd like us to chat about on air, please email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at, at parentdrivendev. And if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes. Thanks everyone. Bye.